0: Even when you're not well-capitalized, you really have to make time the new money because if you cradle your idea or keep it secret or everything else, there's probably someone else doing it and losing six months is is as detrimental to any business and the speed with which these things are built.
1: Welcome back to Short Story Long. This week, I'm sitting down with Courtney Ream. Uh, Courtney and his brother Carter were on the podcast a few weeks ago. Telling their story, how they uh, built Vive, the alcohol company, sold it, uh, started M13, which invests in and helps build brands, and we're working on a book. And this podcast is my follow-up with Courtney to actually go through the book. I didn't want to go through the book then because it was a little far out. The book actually just came out yesterday, so I wanted to just have him back on and actually go through the book. The book is called Shortcut Your Startup. And it is absolutely priceless advice for anyone that wants to start a company. Maybe you have a company and you're getting a little foggy. You you, you need to know how to scale it, how to raise money, um, how to look for that eventual exit one day to sell your business. They literally cover every single aspect of that whole process in this book. And I was really shocked by how well they did and how thoroughly they covered every single piece of that puzzle when I read it, and I wanted to share that with you guys. So I had Courtney come back, and we literally just walked through kind of the different chapters of the book and the different lessons and the lessons that they learned from building and and selling a company, and um, there's just a lot of knowledge in here, and it's something that I think you guys will love, and I think you should all go pick up the book, uh, Shortcut Your Startup by Courtney and Carter Ream. I think you won't regret it. Especially if you're interested in entrepreneurship, which I'm guessing you are if you're listening to this podcast. Um, That's it. Don't forget, as always, to go leave me some positive feedback on the iTunes store or the podcast app on your phone. It goes a long way. really helps the ratings of the show on the iTunes charts. Um, Go to youngandreckless.com. Use the promo code SSL for 40% off all full-priced items. Go to my YouTube, youtube.com slash drama drama. That's so I upload all the videos of these podcasts. I also have a new show that I started with my business partner, D, where we talk about all things current events, news, what's going on in business, sports, everything. Uh, it's called Group Chat. That's on my YouTube. Also, I'm starting to do some vlogs, um, and everything's over there. That is it, my friends. I appreciate it hope you enjoy this one i hope you get a lot of knowledge i hope uh, it inspires you and if it does don't forget to pick up these guys book shortcut your startup by courtney and carter reen here we go short story long The hardest part is figuring out what you want to master. Focus on your product.
0: Can you tell somebody that they
1: suck? You gotta just go. This is exactly
0: what I want to do for a living. You can't even tell somebody that their breath stinks. You know what I mean? It could take your whole life, and then you find your worth. The product is number one. If it scares you, you should probably do it. Good content is good content.
1: That is the coolest shit I have ever seen in my life. All right, here we are. Short Story Long, we're back again, and we are back again with, I'd say, one of my favorite guests, and you and your brother really did a good job. One of the things that I was such a big fan of is not only was there so much knowledge in your in your podcast, but you guys together work really well. You know what I mean? Like, it was funny, but also, like, smart. I think a lot of people got... I got a lot of good feedback on that one. Courtney Ream,
0: welcome back to Short Story Long. Thank you. You're making me blush. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, man. I, I really... um What's funny is we were just talking, you were just meeting with Rob, my cousin, and and we were talking too about your guys' podcast, and I really like, I'm trying to nail in like what podcasts do the best and what obviously the people are reacting to the most, and and obviously I get a lot of listens when it's a big name that everyone knows, like a Wiz Khalifa or a Kyrie Irving for obvious reasons, but um, I myself just love, and Rob was saying that uh, these are his favorites also, the ones where it's real it's people who have been through the entrepreneur trenches the build the, the the building a brand exiting a brand like we just love that and so that's why i think i gravitate to your guys last one so much and especially this one in your guys book and um just a lot of value there so thank you for coming and sharing
0: that. thank you and and yours has been one of my favorites too we've been hustling this book as you know so um we've been doing a lot of podcasts and yours has been one of the most fun because it's You make it easy it's very conversational it feels real you do some of these others and it feels like a very canned conversation not to rag on Kyrie, because i would love if you had him back on here but like in the off season some of those answers he gave to those questions i would love to have him on here and just try to be like what did you mean when you said x because I think people want very like crystal clear answers on things in general but especially something like starting a business but Kyrie's answers were like so yeah. esoteric I was like I would love to we get him back on here for 15 minutes And I
1: don't know that he knows always you know what I mean like he's talking
0: about the earth being flat and the, like yeah, it's just listen, a different and, I, and you, he's like I think he's trying to put that duke education to good use yeah,
1: 100% And you want to know what's funny is you get a guy like Wiz Khalifa who uh you would expect to be even more out there than uh than Kyrie and he was actually like good like he gave pretty good answers and knows yeah. why he you know he purposely went in to create a certain sound of music and he did that with black and yellow and created these like stadium anthems and like he was solid you know and people really like that one too yeah yeah but i love these man this is obviously where where i exist is in entrepreneur land in these in these uh, what we call trenches and i just love these conversations so
0: thank you me too
1: um and that being said your book uh shortcut your startup you gave to me, you gave me this rough copy, which I actually feel kind of cool. Like I have like a collector's item or something.
0: Yeah, spelling mistakes and all in there. I
1: love it, man. Mm-hmm. And then there's the full like notes to put acknowledgements at the end. And like, I really feel like I got something special. Um, but I read it right after our podcast. We promised that we would save this one till when the book was coming out, which it just came out yesterday. So congratulations. Thank you. Um, but I read it and I just loved it. I think you guys did a really, really, really good job at sort of taking people from beginning to exit um, on a company. And I think that what was cool about it is you covered like, you covered essentially if you wanna create a $1 million profitable business and live off of it, or if you wanna create the next Uber. Like you kinda of covered it all in here. And there's a bit of a road map to either one. And I think that for young people, like entrepreneurship is hotter than ever as you know. Um, I think they're going to find a lot of value in this thing, man. I think you guys did a really, really good job.
0: Thank you. That's yeah. that's the hope when you put something out in the world. But yeah, I think one of our big guiding tenets is that there is a lot of great books out there, and we're just kind of trying to be one of them. But I think we said if we do anything, let's just try to make it really distilled down, really easy to follow, really take some stuff. So, you know, I think there's a lot of new information in there, but there's a lot of stuff that we've gotten from other people or read elsewhere that we just try to synthesize it a little differently because yeah. – you know there's a lot of theoretical ones like steve case who's one of the people the founder of aol who's who's uh you know one of our endorsements on the back he wrote a great book called third wave that's kind of the theory of how these entrepreneurial things are now happening so we're kind of trying to be the playbook if he's the theory
1: yeah perfect and you know what i like so much is like i've been doing a lot of reading lately and obviously i'm reading a lot in this space but one thing that always gets me is when there's people writing these sort of entrepreneur books or even personal development books or whatever that haven't actually been through it. And you and your brother very much so have been through it mm-hmm. um, with starting Veve and obviously all the years in investment banking, but then taking that risk to go out start your own company, do it the right way, go sit at bars. You talk about that in this. You're going and sitting at bars, ordering cocktails and trying to figure out behavior of people in bars, really building that company and then finding the right time to exit. So for you, I don't know. There's just something different about reading advice from somebody who has actually done it the real way and when there's a lot of books of people kind of giving you theories that yeah they're guessing you know
0: yeah and i also think you know we we do a lot with like kind of different peer groups like something like a ypo and you know in ypo when it's like other founders or ceos or presidents they're really big on rather than give people advice you kind of say in my experience, X, Y, Z. And so I think that's what we try to do with the book a lot, is not say, be prescriptive and go, you should do this. It's more like, and I'm sure we'll get into it, but like sailboat or speedboat, I I can't tell you which one you are. All I can do is kind of give you some frameworks for trying to figure out what you are and then how to adjust accordingly.
1: Yeah, you did a good, and like I said, I think a kid just starting a company, or me who, for instance, has been running a company for uh, nine years, there was still so many things in here that I'm like, oh yeah. Like, that's what, it's almost like I'm instinctually mm-hmm. making decisions or doing things, and you guys put some stuff into words where I was like, oh, that's what I'm doing, or that's the goal, you know what I mean?
0: Glad glad to hear it. We tried to write it very much in mind with people like you that have been doing it a while and hope that when you peel back the onion, there's still some good take-home value yeah, for you. there is. Okay, so my first
1: question before we get into it is, you know, you had been through uh, investment banking, quit to start this company. The company was really successful, obviously worked your ass off. Company was really successful, had a big exit. Now you're doing investing full-time with m13 why did you guys decide to write a book like why did you decide that it was the time to sort of pass this knowledge on
0: yeah i think and and just to clarify a little bit we're not i I won't really say we're investors although we definitely make we've made tons of investments in companies we kind of consider ourselves like brand builders and the way that happens now part of that has to be around investing so it's kind of more with m13 how do we have this platform approach where we can either start or affect change across a platform of a bunch of brands at once rather than me starting a company tomorrow being the founder being the CEO and trying to build it yeah. um and so that that actually I think informs part of why we did the book because we just felt like doing that we have a unique place in the world a unique vantage point and now was kind of the time to um you know to share some of that because I, we feel like the way companies are built has changed so much in the last 10 years even really the last five years and we're at that point where I think we're just, just old enough being in our 30s pushing late 30s to have wisdom thus experience but just young enough to kind of get it and still be you know kind of on the cusp of millennials or have our pulse on things like your cool brands you know yeah yeah yeah. thank
1: you um that's cool i think you guys are in in a good spot and that's even for me like i'm trying to stay in a similar lane where like you're giving advice or input but you're still approaching it in a cool way you know like it's not some 50 year old dude saying here's what i did back when i was young you know and i think you guys definitely have that like you know you're out you're at art basel you're you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. you're you're cool young guys yeah and you
0: kind of you i think you kind of have to do that i mean we just came back from you know ces last week and it's like I could skip it but there's also just so many people that you bump into that mm. you just kind of got to keep yourself in the throes and the and the hustle it's really different you know we talk about we, when you talk about like some 50 year old guy we talk about uh my dad a lot in the book who it's dedicated to and it's it's amazing how the when we spent time with him i mean we could never do what he did he ran a couple companies over like a 30 40 year period yeah but i think he also started to realize that the way companies are built now, he could probably not do what we're doing, you yeah. know? And it's great because there's like this kind of, my brother likes to call it reverse mentoring. He's somehow trying to convince Katie Couric, uh, actually <laughs> at dinner last week to be his reverse mentor. Yeah. But it's like that movie with Robert De Niro and Anne Hathaway, neither of which I normally like, but that movie's just great. The yeah. Intern. Yeah. So it's it, it really that. is how the world works now, right?
1: It's so true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. Okay, so getting right into it. You start off, and I love this opening. You start off with kind of this uh honest a little bit blunt like um introduction or almost warning or you know what i mean to 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 people who are starting and and i'm a big fan of it and the way that you worded it and and i guess my question is there's a lot of talk about number one entrepreneurship is hotter than ever it's Mm -hmm. the cool thing to do now um also there's a lot of talk i've had a lot of debates over whether now is a good time best time ever or worst time ever to start a company and to be an entrepreneur um what's sort of your feelings on that like if i'm thinking about it right i'm little mm-hmm. johnny i'm 20 years old and i'm like man now's my time you know what's kind of your like input on all of those things
0: well whether it's good time best time bad time i think that's so dependent on the industry and you know mm-hmm. some things are counter cyclical the buying the blood in the streets some things are better when things are going well but um so, so the macro things I think are hard to comment on. On terms of a personal psychological thing, you know, my brother and I are both into psychology a lot. The, the human fear of loss aversion is like an incredible thing, kind of meaning like, I put it this way, like Bobby Knight, the famous Indiana basketball coach, when they asked him when he retired, he said it was time to retire because the big wins did not start to feel as good as the losses, yeah. and even though he won a lot more than he lost, if he, if he won f- probably won four out of five games for his career, the one out of five stung more. Yeah, and I and I equate that to most people would rather start something, fail, and feel like they had peace of mind of trying mm-hmm. than not try. That's where the kind of loss aversion or fear or regret comes in. Having said that, we are big believers, as you said, we put in there the entrepreneurial entrepreneurial readiness test. I do not think it's for everyone, yeah. but it doesn't mean you shouldn't try because of that psychology.
1: Yeah. And don't you think like my feeling is it's really easy to say it's harder than ever to start a company and it's easy to find the negative. And I guess at any point in history, you can find it positive or negative. It's what type of person you are, right? Mm-hmm. But but I just feel like, man, the barrier of entry to most businesses is almost non existent now. You know, and before there was all these gatekeepers and you had to go get a big retailer to support you. Obviously, in like liquor and stuff like that, that's still a thing. But let's mm-hmm. say in clothing and in some of these other things even launching apps and stuff like that that people are doing more than ever, Like, there's just no barrier to entry. And I think, my opinion is, sure, there's a lot of noise and it's the bad news is there's a lot of noise. Everyone's starting a company, everyone is hit with a million pieces of content every single day, how are you gonna rise above that? But the good news is you do have a chance to actually rise above that and do that on your own. Do you yeah. agree
0: with that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it it is, yeah, I agree with all that wholeheartedly. As you said, I think the two biggest things are that the two main barriers to entry to starting a company have been somewhat or largely democratized. Part of the reason we wrote the book, I would say, money, yeah. which. I don't take for granted a lot of people listen to this or a lot of people reading our book are going where can i find money and so i don't want to make it sound like that's easy yeah. but there's probably no arguing it's easier than it's ever been there's a bunch of different options even if you have nowhere no clue where to start and then like you said i call it finding your tribe you know you can start an online clothing brand and if you just kind of hit on a nerve mm-hmm. you never have to go to tarjay you never have mm-hmm. to go to barney's and it depends what your goal is for the business. If it's to make it big, it probably has to. But um, you can you can do that, and it's just so fascinating that you can just kind of start these things like yeah. that. And that's part of what we're trying to do. And I know you are.
1: Yeah, it's so true, man. It's so 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 interesting. Why is money more available than ever? Because there's more people willing to invest than ever, or because of things like Kickstarter, or?
0: Yeah, I think it's it, exactly. It's a little bit of everything. Um, there's the crowdfunding rules which have changed, mm-hmm. um, so. No longer is it like, oh, I grew up in this neighborhood with these friends, and I know where to find money. And I this person didn't. Of course, that always matters. But anyone can use Kickstarter. Yeah. We're big actually fans of Indiegogo, because um, they do even more kind of on the business side. Uh, and yeah, I think there's just so many resources out there that just remember. Even ten years ago, like you would have never been able to figure out Tim Cook at Apple's email. Mm-hmm. Now I have Tim Cook at Apple's email. I think we put it in the book, tim.cook at apple.com. Yeah. It is not hard to get Tim Cook's email. Yeah. It is real hard to get him to reply. He's never replied to one of them. I've only sent like three just for fun. But, <laughs> um, But the point is you can find like anything, but then it's what you, you know, the hustle and what you make of it.
1: Yeah, that's so true. It's literally the time of like resourcefulness and like, persistent i don't know man you got to be smarter than ever because you can get anything you can get access to almost anything mm-hmm. and it's just like what do you do with that access is really interesting to me i'm still trying to remind myself that every day right like you have to be that like scrappy guy at all times you know because everyone else is i'll meet these young guys seven- i did a podcast the other day with a 17 year old kid from his uh bedroom in virginia and i was shocked at like he has 160,000 Instagram followers. He got me. He's going up to New York to meet Gary V next week. He's just a scrappy guy. And I'm like, shit. We can talk
0: offline, but I think I might use him, no joke.
1: For your company?
0: No, I mean, I think we're currently using him. Yep. I bet you do. <laughs> we're, we're literally, this is how the world works now. We're on, one of my guys was telling me a story. If it's the same kid or someone else, he's God. on the phone with him. Someone's like, He's like, mom, I'm on the phone. <laughs> You're like, holy cow, the the fate of my verified Instagram account yes. is in this 17-year-old's hands.
1: Gotta be. It's, mm-hmm. But that's the world we live in. Mm-hmm. And I do that thing, and I'm like, okay, five years ago, if I, somebody would have asked me to do that interview, I would have been like, what the hell are you? I mean, not to sound like an asshole, but I would have been like, No, hell no. You know what I mean? Like, what am I doing with my time? Hell no. And now I just know that those are the type of things that you do. And so I did it, and then all, when it was over, I was like, damn it, man, am I working as hard as this kid is on getting guests for my podcast? Like, mm-hmm. is he outworking me? You know, the 17-year-old, like, getting lunch from his mom. It's crazy. But well, I, well, he's, I got,
0: it. he's got extra time because mom's making him lunch, probably not paying a rent. It's not fair, She's man. doing the laundry. Yeah. He's got me beat. Yep. <laughs>
1: know uh, your unfair advantage. Uh, <laughs> exactly. uh, one thing that I love, you can just quickly, that, that I think that I try to tell people more than ever now, because I didn't think about this when I was, starting Young and Reckless or any of the business stuff, and I think it's so important is, you guys talk about knowing what success looks like for you. Um, what's that mean to you To you guys?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of those exercises. You're gonna have to do it sooner or later. You might as well try and do it up front. It doesn't mean you can't change it, but like we were working with a brand the other day where I said, if we're gonna do this, I just need to know, is your plan to sell or not sell? And it's, it's not that you, have to sell yeah but if you want to have the option to sell you have to make every decision with that in mind and yeah. then when the day of reckoning comes maybe we're profitable maybe you don't want to sell maybe the economies change but at least you know you were aligned from the start rather than not making those decisions up front because it's the same work either way
1: yeah yeah i can't stress that one enough man because not that i ever feel like it really hurt me um especially on young and reckless which is obviously the main thing but but damn it! If I would have had that like 100% clarity first, I think that I would have saved a lot of time and a lot of pointless hoops that I jump through and whatever just to get it where I want to get it. And even now, like when I look at my plan for 2018, um, those are the that's still a question for 2018 that I'm really trying to make sure that we're brutally honest with. And what changes are we making with the company, if depending on what our goal is, you know? So important. Okay, you guys also talk a lot about. Um, before you start. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big one. So once again, let's put in the hypothetical. I'm I'm a kid wanting to start a company. I think I have the best idea ever. Um, All my friends like it. What do I do to make sure that it's even, there's a real opportunity there and it's a real business?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's really, I think, you know, we say get in the trenches and call it investigation. I mean, whatever, whatever it is for your industry i just think people mostly need to dig deeper than they do because it's like oh this doesn't exist and it's really hard to find things that don't exist so if whenever i I think people need to start with a little more skepticism of like wait if i thought of this someone else probably has doesn't mean you still can't do it doesn't mean you can't improve on it but you have to really dig deeper because there are not that many new ideas in the world unless you're like elon musk it's more about okay like just understanding what's out there so it's such a delicate teeter-totter um is that what you call it teeter-totter uh, yeah. yeah with um you know they call it i think kind of the entrepreneurial ignorance bliss meaning had i have I known everything i now know about the alcohol industry i never would have done it yeah. yet you just kind of dive in and do something but i should have done much more investigation just to know have a little better sense of what the competition was and what the odds were
1: yeah that's how i feel about apparel I mean I don't know. Mm-hmm. The opportunity was so big um because of obviously having a TV show to market it and do all these things but really in hindsight like apparel is one of the gnarliest industries mm-hmm. in the world. And so there are days when I'm like shit, man, I should have sold mattresses. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um okay, and uh um uh, here's a question. How do you know? I think a lot of people come up with a genius idea. This is it. This is going to change the world. I'm going to get filthy filthy rich. But sometimes they have an idea that's a product and not a company. Right. How do you clarify the difference? How do you know what you have and how do you make up for any weakness that might be there?
0: Yeah, and I think we talk about it in there with, we pick on a little bit this um, shish kebab flipper thing that we had on our our TV show Hatched. And, you know, I think it was like this cool kebab flipper where you you do something, I don't even remember how it works exactly, you flip it over and you can use it for a bunch of different things. But I guess it's almost like that mindset of like an as-seen-on-TV type of product Mm -hmm. versus a company. Now, unless I can take that kebab flipper and turn it into, oh, and here's why I can sell a grill that does this and all the other things, now you might actually have a company, but it is really the difference between a product and a company.
1: Yeah, and you think that's big. Like, if, If I just have a product, let's say I have just a product and that's all I have, and I can't think of a way to turn it into a company, do I still try to go with that and just make a bunch of cash and do like some as uh, uh, home shopping network yeah. hustle, but just know that there's no exit? Is that what you would
0: say? Yeah, I, as a as a general rule, yes. And it doesn't mean, like you said, it can't be profitable, but that probably means because you have a product and not a company, yeah, let's just go, let's just follow that. Exactly. No one's probably going to buy it. Therefore, you can't, it has to be built profitably. Therefore, you have to run it for cash versus top line growth and exit and it just informs every decision starting from that and working backwards
1: yeah so it's just a quick like let me get mm-hmm. let me get two years and, and that's how you stuff. see
0: these things like i don't have one on right now but like my friend uh, is the founder of that loki bracelet yep. L-O-K-A-A, yep. and it's like listen i think he sold i don't know the exact number but i believe it's like 100 million dollars of those so mm-hmm. i'd actually say he's made that into a company but that's the type of thing that i'd call a little bit like the kebab flipper it's a product yeah his just happened to be through the roof but to me, those are the kind of products that would worry me—that one day the bottom just falls out because there's the next yeah. version of that. Even though he's had tremendous success,
1: why doesn't he evolve to make different sort of like a necklace or? A...
0: Yeah, and I don't. For all I know, he might be because I haven't followed it closely the last yeah. six months. But yep. yeah, he's going to other product lines or like it, for the person that cultishly follows it because it's you know it's it's I believe um, mud from the Dead Sea and water from Mount Everest. Yes. Maybe he should actually start doing like experiential trips or partner with. Yeah. XYZ or like that's the type of thing that's gonna make it more of a of an experiential company rather yeah. than just a product.
1: But a hundred million dollars in beaded bracelets is Yeah, a, I mean I mean I can't mm-hmm. say I'd be too hungry to evolve either either. Yes, um, um, and every what is it Coachella? Every Coachella, they give you your your neon carnival. Yeah, I was gonna say last year at neon a, carnival. Yeah, yeah. 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 Our Thank friend you. Puts Thank you him for that.
0: Yes, Brent Boldhouse and his team. I was like, that was cool. Like, I'll take one of those yeah, over. I got wear something that, damn that I, thing all weekend. Right? <laughs> Still better than the thing you cut off the next day. <laughs> at least true. you're, at least you're balanced and That's all Zen, highest
1: mm-hmm. and lowest. Uh, I love, love, love the your guys' speedboat sailboat uh, analogy. Mm-hmm. What you say is that there are two types of businesses, essentially, um, a speedboat and a sailboat, and it's really important to know which one you are. So Mm -hmm. my obvious question is, what are the differences in companies, and how do I know which one mine is?
0: Yeah. Um, I would start by saying, if you're unsure, I would just assume you're a sailboat. Okay. I mean, vast majority of companies are sailboats. Agreed. To do the absence of a sailboat, a speedboat tends to be the companies that are in the headlines all the time, so this is what's confusing to people. A a speedboat tends to be like an Uber, an Airbnb, a Lyft, something like that that are, figuratively speaking, like winner-take-all sort of markets. Mm -hmm. So it's like Uber is trying to grab market share from Lyft before Lyft grabs market share from Uber, and that's just in the U.S. But those are kind of markets where you just have to try and scale them really quickly and have as much frictionless scaling as possible. But almost everyone should try to be a speedboat especially brands we're talking about we have a nice little product or you're seeing some traction don't try to motor power through it right away
1: yeah because
0: that's how you run out of gas which gas usually is money or it can even be things just like energy or burnout or employees
1: you said most companies should be a speedboat or a sailboat sorry most
0: companies should be a sailboat
1: yeah okay 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 yeah, and what you talk about, too, is that you can be a sailboat and then turn into a speedboat. Right, exactly. Which is cool.
0: Yep, and I think we give an example of a, of a company that was on the border for quite a while called Cavita. Uh, it's like a probiotic kombucha-type drink yeah. um, that got sold to Pepsi really successfully about a year ago. They, you know, when when they came out with this probiotic drink, like nobody knew what probiotics were. It was like something that you had heard about. It was in my yogurt. I hadn't put in a beverage. They started in earnest, got a great following, got great traction, had a couple... Breaks, kombucha took off at the same time they launched that line. And by the time they really decided to put down that sail and become a speedboat, people knew what probiotics were and they were ready for it. And they literally doubled sales three years in a row. And we're talking big numbers. I mean, they're over 100 million in sales now to get to the point of exit.
1: Do you think they knew that there was a speedboat opportunity coming and they sailed around until that until they, that day came?
0: Yeah, that's the analogy we give, and I really believe it. The smart ones kind of go, "Okay, I've had a little progress." catch a little gust of wind okay the wind dies down we'll just chill out here for a little while we're doing stuff on the side in the meantime yeah and then you catch another gust of wind so yeah i think they did
1: that's interesting man
0: you can just kind of start to it's like you can smell it or like i guess with the wind analogy you can you can just feel the wind's picking up it's so true. when the wind is at your back you know it in life <laughs> yeah. i noticed that like on everything i do you
1: mm-hmm. know um and, and would you say like a, a sailboat company you know let's say i'm i'm I come to you. I have an idea. I want to start a sailboat company. Would you essentially say that what what qualifies or what would make a good sailboat company is one that, you know, there is an opportunity for, there's a market for, there's profitability, but there just might not be some like zero to a hundred million plan in the next two years, right? Is exactly. that right? Yeah,
0: exactly. And we, you know, we talk about in the book, but one of the things we say is you should always be looking for your key insight. I mean, most great companies, let's just stick on the we say Lyft because we're investors, but like Lyft or Airbnb, they're actually built on one or two key insights, right? I mean, Airbnb is called Airbnb because it was going to be air, bed, and breakfast. Do you think they ever aspired in their wettest, wildest dreams to do what they've done? No, but they found one or two key insights and you just exploit those till the cows come home. Yeah.
1: That's so interesting. I love this stuff. Um, Another big thing that you cover that I love is is equity. Uh, That's another huge question that I get a lot from friends i've made mistakes there on my own um from people on instagram whatever um what do i do i I, once again i'm starting this company and and i'm another big thing is i think these these young people are real quick to think that like partners are the answer right Mm -hmm. like i have this idea i just need someone to do all the work right you know what i'm saying like i get that a lot Mm -hmm. um and i think that you guys obviously talk about partners a lot in here too but you want to know what, I'll, I'll wrap it, I'll, I'll put it all into one. My question is, how do you know who the right partners are? How do you find them? How do you really know what you need and what you're missing? And then once you do, how,
0: how do you treat equity? Mm-hmm. Well, the partners thing is hard because you just never know who you're getting into bed with. And I always joke that if anyone had hiring, figuring out which partnership is a form of hiring, yeah. um, you know, they'd have a multi-trillion dollar company. So there's people who do it better for sure, but it's impossible to...
1: Nail it. It's so hard. We were just Um, talking about that before.
0: Yeah. But I I think on the equity, there's just a there's a I mean, I always stick by a few guiding principles. Um, and these are gonna kind of sound like I'm talking on both sides of my mouth. But just remember, once you give out equity, for the most part, it's never coming back, right? So that equity's gone. So treat it like gold. But having said that, the days of like starting a really successful company where you have no investors and no partners, and it's just you. They happen, but they're few and far between. So we live in much more of a transparent, open source sort of world. So we always try to bring in partners and things we're doing now, we always make sure we set aside enough equity to get people excited. So you have to kind of balance those two.
1: Yeah. That's interesting, man. And I would say too, like to to young people, you know, my advice would be, number one, I think that if you just come up with an idea and then think about who can help you do it, uh, you're selling yourself way short. And you like- as you, What I've learned is as you go and start to build even a, a a foundation of what the idea could eventually be, you start to attract better people all along anyway, right? Like if you have an idea that's in 10 retailers, you're going to attract better partners than just an idea, right? Yeah. If you have an idea that's in 100 retailers, you're going to attract blah, 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 right? It's yeah. kind of like the shark. You see it over and over on Shark Tank. Um. But I think that that is such a massive, massive part of it. And then the aspect of just learning as much as you can read this book read everything that you can but then just go for it like i'll just say when i started young and reckless i gave a massive piece of equity to a uh, friend and to help and it didn't end up working out and i had to pay to get that piece of equity back um and but it was a lesson learned you Mm -hmm. know and i can't really say that i wouldn't take a similar risk again i would like to try to find a way maybe that you know, you earn the equity over a period of time, or I yeah. can earn it back, or you can yeah. structure any deal. And that's,
0: I mean, that's a different conversation on equity. But I think you're right. Is like we try to put in bells and whistles so it doesn't all vest day one, or there's yeah. certain performance attached to earning the equity, not just time, but time's always a good one. Or um, you know, we always try to be careful. It's hard when money's tight, but if you have someone that's doing a one-time, one-off service for you, some of these people now will be like, oh, I'll take. Equity in lieu of cash, or I'll take some of both. But if this is someone that you're going to work with one time, unless you have absolutely no other option, I try not to give equity for stuff like that. I try to give equity for, oh, you're my ongoing manufacturing partner. Oh, you're always going to be like handling the Amazon e commerce sales of the brand. I mean, yeah. if it's ongoing things like that, it's it's a lot easier stomach giving them some equity.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's something that I think like th- when you're starting a business, you really got to like dig deep on and make sure that you're not shortcutting it or, um, or waiting around too much. Uh, the other thing is building your business around your unfair advantage. This part, I would say, this might be the one that got me the most. Mm-hmm. Um, just the clarity on sort of your life and your skill sets and what you bring to the table and then building around that as opposed to, you know, um, trying to just treat it like you're coming to the table with the same thing that everyone else is. What What's, the, what's an unfair advantage to you guys? Like, what defines that?
0: Yeah, I think it's, a couple of things but it's it's just i so i took one acting class for fun like over a decade ago Mm -hmm. and the teacher I'll never forget said she was saying to people that were serious about acting in the room when you figure out what you can do or bring to the table that no one else can you'll start getting work and I was like dang I was like I am never gonna I would never work (laughs) as an actor because you know I mean I don't think I'm horrible looking but I know better looking people I'm pretty funny but I know much I mean you go down the list and you're like okay put it that way I would never have a shot and I think unfair advantages are a little bit the same in that there are certainly I do not want to pretend that everyone has the same unfair advantages. Like people that you and I probably know have really good unfair advantages. Yeah. Opportunity is not the same, but it's a little bit like creating your own luck. I genuinely believe for a bunch of the reasons we've already talked about, everyone has the ability to make their own luck and create some of their unfair advantages. Now, again, person X's unfair advantages might be a lot more Um, consequential or or a lot more significant than another person's but you can still create your own and that's the best you can do i think to start is figure out what yours are figure out what gives you energy and try and create advantages around it. i mean it goes a little bit back to what we're talking about jokingly about getting tim cook's email right you can make some of those unfair advantages that you couldn't 10 years ago so if you have enough execution and resilience and hustle i'm confident everyone can develop yeah
1: And the thing that got me is like, everyone has them, man. And you you might look at it, you might even be listening to this right now and think, oh, well, I don't have, you know, I live in Nebraska and I don't, you know, but it's like literally everyone, when I read it, because I think that my unfair advantage is sort of obviously my following from TV time, my ability to be on camera. Um, like, I'm good out front.
0: You make people very comfortable. That's why I have my shoes off like here for our second Something interview. like that. And we have, I mean, you know, hopefully some people see it. We have the book merchandise next to a solo cup. I mean, you've just... That's just, real brand. you just disarmed me to the point where I'll just say anything. That's on brand. Yeah. Right? That's my unfair advantage. That's why I'm confident you can get Kyrie to really answer some questions <laughs> right. next time.
1: About the damn earth. <laughs> um, okay. But my thing is, like, that's... I actually don't like it. I don't love it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't wake up in the morning and think, like, man, how can I go look into my phone and make some videos you know right. what i mean like but i do realize that it is part of my unfair advantage is is that following and that ability to sort of cater to them and so this gave me a little bit of clarity of like man you have to take advantage of that like yeah. you can't just act like you're some regular entrepreneur that does you know like that's stupid it's a, it's a
0: really good um startup switch up i think in terms of almost assessing your propensity to be an entrepreneur because. Yeah. Yes, I think people will read and go, Oh, I'm sitting in we'll keep picking on Nebraska. Uh I don't have any unfair advantages. <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. You can do one of those woes me. If you keep telling yourself that, like that's not the kind of resiliency and mindset as you know that's gonna make you a good entrepreneur. Yeah. Like at some point you have to flip that script. And if you can't figure out unfair advantages, then maybe it's just not for you.
1: Yeah, you yeah. Uh, and it's even like a family member has money, a somebody has access to uh something, a this person like they're they are there. It doesn't just because it's not exactly what is said in the book or what I just said doesn't mean that they're not there. I think auditing that and and sort of picking one, I, I think is like priceless information. You know, Absolutely. Um, another big one is, is that I see people go wrong on a lot is they have this idea and they think that it's, so naturally, and maybe I'm being a little negative here and I, I hope I'm not, but I see a lot of people that come up with an idea. Number one, they think it's the best idea in the world without checking without getting honest feedback from who would be customers, without checking the market, without whatever. Um, I think that they then, a lot of times, look for someone to come save the day and maybe give them a bunch of money or run the company. And I think another huge one is they protect it too much. Mm-hmm. And they, I've seen people that come in here and are hesitant to even tell us their idea because they mm-hmm. think everyone's gonna steal their idea or they think yeah. blah, blah, blah. Think, and you guys talk about that in here. And I, I, just, I always tell people as much as I can to,
0: You got to put it out like you got to let it out you got to talk to everyone about it you got you just got to go you have no Mm -hmm. choice yeah i mean i think we say in there you know don't coddle or cradle your precious idea because you know the underlying thing that we say in there some but i think one of the overlays to the whole book is i believe time is the new money which is easy to say if you have money and so people will say and go oh but that's easy to say if, if you're a company that's well capitalized even when you're not well capitalized you really have to make time the new money because if you cradle your idea or keep it secret or everything else, there's probably someone else doing it. And losing six months is is as detrimental to any business and the way and the speed with which these things are built.
1: Yeah. And being able to pivot is what you talk about a lot too. Like I think right. a lot of lot of people start a business and then when things change or go wrong, they they go down with the ship as a, that's something in apparel that I've had to learn. Crazy mm-hmm. because retail got smacked and I spent six or seven years doing nothing but traveling around and trying to build a retail presence. And then when they get smacked across the face, I saw a lot of our competitors ride that into the ground and refuse that that was the truth and think that the mall was going to come back. Um, And that's something that you guys cover really well too. I mean, you obviously, you had to do that with Vive. right? Yeah.
0: I mean, that's actually, you know, one of our learnings for Vive and why I wouldn't probably do something quite like that again is because when you realize, oh, crap we need to change x when you're in something like an alcohol brand it's not like i can pivot again nothing's easy but if you're in sweatpants and you go oh there's this crazy market for culottes i'm gonna pivot into that i mean there was no pivoting in alcohol it's not like i'm gonna start making grapefruit juice i mean it just (laughs) doesn't work that way yeah so it's scary how few options we had
1: yeah man
0: and that's what got me is what
1: i saw with these people is you know if retail dies it doesn't matter how much time you spent doing it it doesn't matter what you think people owe you, you have to start building your e-commerce, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's where I think a lot of, there's a lot of like handoffs in industries, is like the ones, I think a lot of times, the ones that built around retail that can't pivot crash and die,
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: the new brands are the ones that were built on e-com, because they don't know any other way, yep. right? And the good ones are the ones that are able to switch throughout that whole process, yep. do you agree with
0: that? Yeah, totally, and could just connecting online to offline is, is even these brands that we think of as being largely built online, I'm wearing Warby Parker glasses that we yep. were early investors in, great brand, love the guys, love the story, they're now doing you know roughly half their sales from, from retail, yeah. which just shows which there's crazy. still a big opportunity there, and it just means that there's a big opportunity in both places when you do it right. You
1: know what I've noticed the hardest thing is is not to pivot when you're failing, but the but to look at pivots when you're winning. Yeah. You know? And like to to be winning and be on top of the game and try to guess what the next thing is, I think is something I envy a lot in people mm-hmm. who are good at it. Yeah. You know?
0: And especially you look at these big, I mean, companies like Amazon or Facebook, I mean, can keep doing what they're doing because they're so big, they're not going to go anywhere anytime soon. But they really, Alphabet, they all have to do that. Crazy. it's it's yeah i can't say i have first-hand experience with but it's that's the hard part is so cool. never kind of resting on your laurels and always yeah. kind of being skittish and looking around the corner in a good way
1: yeah i'm a fan of that um, okay here's another big thing that everyone wants to know a lot of young people ask is uh getting investors mm-hmm. you know you guys talk there's all different types of stuff in here and obviously we don't have time to go through all of it but it's kind of like once again like maybe i everyone want, thinks that Investors are the key to success. And, mm-hmm. well, I could do this if I had investors or if I had money. Not always true, but sometimes helpful. What would you say as far as advice on getting invest investors, who to look for, where to get it? You talk about strategic versus just bringing on money. Yeah. What do you say in that?
0: Again, I'll start by saying I don't take for granted. It's easy to always find money. But... I think start from the assumption that it's better to try to be picky when, you know, start by being pickier and then eventually your options will kind of dictate your pickiness. But start with things like if you can help it, unless you have the kind of business that you don't think you could use, that you don't want any outside counsel, always look for things besides, you know, money, value add money, right? Who brings some kind of strategic value. And then after that, I think it's, it's, it's just making sure you you just spend a lot of time with the people or the company to know what you're getting and what you're not getting, because most investor issues come about because there's there hasn't there wasn't a clear line of like, oh, this is how we're gonna communicate or this is how we're gonna be involved or not be involved. Yeah. And then with money comes expectations. So I think it's about vetting those expectations as best you can before you do a deal.
1: Yeah. And I love that you talk about don't lie to your investors like you don't lie to your doctor. <laughs> That's so good. Cause
0: it always comes back to bite you, right? Yeah,
1: you gotta just be honest, huh? Mm-hmm cuz i think that is the natural like you kind of fluff to raise the money and then you kind of keep fluffing to you know what i'm saying to right. keep people at bay it's interesting whereas if you just start off by being honest i guess um yeah it no is like, the healthiest I way. i don't
0: think you should yeah and and when you're trying to sell something you have no track record and everything else i wouldn't say you should be dishonest but you obviously have to paint a a rosy Ambitious, picture and kind yeah. of give the give the best case scenario people know that and they haircut it but then what that that piece of uh, wisdom was kind of more once you're in bed with people you know i think partners always appreciate bad news ahead of time not finding out about it later not finding out about through someone else
1: and i think that you get the right you know i think there's a lot of times when you'd be surprised at how much those type of people are willing to help if they know the real diagnosis you know Mm -hmm. what i mean and like i think a lot of people lie their way into a bigger problem than what originally was there yeah i mean some investors i'm sure just are, are no help you know, they don't care. They just want to see their returns. But mm-hmm. I do think, like, the more you're open about that stuff, the more likely you are to get the support you need. Um, the next thing would be, so let's say, you know, I have this company. I got investors or maybe I didn't. And and now I want to uh, scale it. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys, there's a lot in here about... Uh, Make, nail it before you scale Yeah, it. yeah nail it before you scale mm-hmm. it and making sure that you hit it and it's real before you, because now you can raise the money, you can have the great idea and you can burn it into the ground again by not scaling properly. What's, what's kind of your lessons in that stuff?
0: Yeah, if I had to summarize that, it's that I think companies back in the day would be like, oh, we're doing well. We're growing it 20% a year or 30% or doing something like that. And now if you're a big mature company growing it 20% a year is, is off the charts. But when you're starting something from the, ground up i think one of the graphs we have in there is dollar shave club the graph of these things now it's like the old j curve where it's like nothing 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 like off the charts right and a thousand percent growth um as you got from my sound effect there it's (laughs) it's that but in the beginning i can't emphasize it enough of course sales always matter but don't just focus on the so what of the sales, like what's the insight, what are we doing, are we getting, if it's a direct-to-consumer e-commerce business, or focusing on that um, LTV, that long-term value, that customer acquisition cost, the average order value, it's about those insights because you know we've got some businesses where once you just nail that little insight, if I'm like, wow, I'm making $5 on every transaction, I think I can maintain that, I might just pour Hundreds of thousands of dollars on it because every transaction is profitable. Yeah, but getting to that point where you figure out those ratios or that secret sauce or like that customer insight—that's the real hard part. So just you can't rush it.
1: It seems like we're in the age of the unhealthy scale. Am I right, or is that, yeah. has that always been a thing?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think I, I don't know if I've been around long enough to say if it's always been a thing, but we are definitely in that age where someone goes, "Oh, our sales are blah 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 blah," and then you're like, "But wait, you're you're." Losing money on every transaction. So yeah. the more you sell, the more you lose. And it's about, you know, I think being within shouting distance of break even for most of the brands we go for because they're super high growth is fine. But you just have to make sure things like the unit economics are there because then eventually you could be profitable if you had to tomorrow. Yeah. Whereas when you have unprofit, you know, unit economics, then that, those are really hard to fix if you can't undo that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's just weird to me. And like I said, I didn't know if it was uh, sort of one of those things that I just, I'm just now old enough that i'm actually paying attention and i've never paid attention my whole life but it just seems like every company is losing money mm-hmm. and every company's spending to grow and like it's just the new thing i don't know it just yeah seems stupid
0: i i agree <laughs> i mean i think that's when people say is it a bubble i'm like i don't think it's a bubble but i think it's a bubble in certain aspects right i think some late stage companies are overvalued i think that some companies are that aren't tech companies or you know uh, like that are not Aren't tech companies are getting tech valuations, and some companies are losing too much. It's okay to lose if there's really a clear turnaround plan. But you know, people have even questioned things like Uber. Like you look at their losses; those are big losses. Yeah. I do think in the case of something like even Lyft, which has a lot less sales, but they have a lot smaller losses, it shows there's a way to narrow them and kind of turn very profitable when yeah. you when you do it. But those are the things you got to look at more closely.
1: Um, okay, so here's so so getting to the end here. You talk about the big. The big goal for a lot of people, the exit. Um, which I also think people are undereducated on in general. Like I think that, you know, like we said in the very beginning, you kind of take it back in, in this ending, is like they don't they don't plan for an exit, so you don't build for it, and you don't realize that one day you could have had sort of that payday and that, you know, move on, do whatever you want to do, go on a lot of vacations, cash out. Um, one thing that you guys talk about is that being a successful business doesn't necessarily mean a guaranteed successful exit to wrap it all up into one because i know we're low on time is is like if i'm at that point how do i know if i'm set up for a good exit or not how do i find even the buyers how do i Mm -hmm. wrap my head around that
0: yeah so again if you're at that point uh i'll tell you what we think you should do but just to emphasize again to the extent you can think about that upfront, will save yourself a lot of time on the back and right? Make every decision with what your hopeful outcome or desired outcome is in mind. But now you're at that point. We had a guy, I think, you know, we talk about in the book a little bit, but I see this all the time. I saw a guy last week who'd gotten to like 17 million in sales. That's a big number. Yeah. And no one wanted to buy him, and he was shocked. I said, with all due respect, the way you got there and kind of his business was a little this, a little that, it wasn't even clear to me. I'm like, I'm shocked that you think you'd find a buyer because it was 17 million of very... I would say, unstrategic so-what sales, right? And so I think the best thoughts we can give that are in the book is that if you're selling to a strategic buyer, you really just have to put yourself in their shoes and and say, why would they want to buy this? And you just have to, I think we call it breadcrumbs. You have to feed them the breadcrumbs because you'll never cease to be amazed of people who have heard of your brand, who haven't heard of your brand. There's always misconceptions, sometimes positive ones, sometimes negative ones. So it's about... You know, just managing the message leaving the breadcrumbs and you know we, we talk about this in the chapter we had the notion because nobody broke down our door that maybe nobody wanted to buy it and if i'm being realistic like say something like our, our spirits company our first one vive i would say is i think we had a good product and proposition and for most people it was like a nice to have but not a need to have and yeah. i think it's a little bit like sailboat people. most companies are, are sailboats I think most companies even ones that have been successful are nice to haves not needs to have if yeah. you're a need to have you will know because they will come with the yeah. battering ram and the checkbook yeah that's great i hope to be there someday i've been a part of some brands not necessarily ones i've started that have had that happen yeah. has not happened to me directly i'm fine with it because it teaches you kind of the scrappiness that the book and, and being an entrepreneur is all about so we talk about things like pre-court the buyers leave yeah. the breadcrumbs say hey dave you're the ceo of x we've never met I know we're both gonna be this treasure. Just wanted to say hi and chat, and go in with no agenda, and just leave the breadcrumbs and build the relationship. So, people that we ended up being in talks to sell Viv to and other brands that I've been a part of, usually I've known them for a year or two, yep. and they didn't come with checkbook blazing, and they didn't, and we didn't come going, "Hey, we're for sale. We're hiking up our skirt here." Yeah. But you know, everyone kind of knew what what the start of the dance was. But yeah. you really gotta pre-cord them and and make sure you put yourself in a winning position
1: yeah that's cool that one that one really resonated with me also just the the sort of right way to handle it i think once again myself starting a company at a young age like i had the the vision of people knocking down your door with a battering ram right because that's mm-hmm. just what happens like you just build this company you're so successful all of a sudden you have to tell people to fuck off because they're offering you money and you don't want it right, right. and it's like you kind of set your goal on like, that's just going to happen. And I don't know the other way. I don't have to plan for it. Right. And I think that being realistic and actually properly planning to exit a business is a little bit, you know what I mean? Not like a yeah. rap lyric.
0: And a, just remember, if you plan the way that we say has worked for us or that we've seen work best in the book and someone comes with a battering ram, yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's great. Not, hard, not hard to, you know... Show up when they have a, a checkbook open, but you got a contingency plan with those yeah.
1: things. What would your final words be to the listener who is now super inspired, motivated, ready to go? Uh, hopefully, going to go through your kind of intro checklist of whether they're even built for this or not. What's kind of like your sign-off words for for those type of people? Um,
0: wow, no one's asked me that on any of my previous interviews. It's a good. I would say I just go back to some basic things. Like it's like uh, I'll never forget when I when I graduated from Harvard Business School, and then someone raises a hand, an international student says to the professor, great, I'm, I'm like graduating from Harvard Business School, I'm going out in the world, what, what should I do? And you could see this person was just amped like they just had 25 Red Bulls, and the, the professor, who was also the associate dean, said um, nothing. And he was like, well, what do you mean? I'm like ready, and he said just just let it marinate for a minute, right? You have all these ideas. We filled you with all this stuff. It's all there. Yeah. But you don't have to call on it all day one. Yeah. You don't you don't have to go to these seminars and come back and revamp your whole company. So I would say just take it in, let it let it marinate, and then just take action. Cause I think analysis paralysis overcomes a lot of us. And you can read this and have it all annotated and do all this and that. But then if you just sit there and go, oh, but he said do that. I mean, a lot of things we said in there are like. It's a judgment call, right? It's yeah. like things. There's a there's a balance or a barbell to almost everything we say in there, and and we can't possibly give you prescriptive things for most things. It's about your judgment. So we're just trying to give you um, things that have worked in our experience and different things. So analysis paralysis. And then I really believe that we're in the age of like, if you think you're kind of treading water, you're probably moving backwards. So just keep taking yeah. steps, left foot, right foot, proverbially, and take solace in the fact that you definitely do not have to get every decision right. Yeah. You just have to not get it so wrong that it sinks anything. Yeah. So just take solace in being smart about the big decisions and making any decision for a lot of the things that probably seem important but are inconsequential will do you better than making no decision.
1: Yeah, that was good, that was really good, especially for never being asked that before you nailed it. <laughs> um, okay, last thing and then I'll let you go, because this is the part that I'm fascinated by and I think that my listeners um, have started to grow into really liking like take home advice that they can do tomorrow. And so this is something like we were talking about before we started that I'm just getting into because I was not raised on this even being a thing. I wasn't taught about morning routines. I wasn't taught about mindset. I wasn't talking about meditation. And it almost was always looked at as like this weird thing, right? Like you're just kind of, I don't know. The people who do it are, are weird. Now I'm super into it. I think I've think dis- I feel like I've discovered this thing you know like mm-hmm. it's like discovering running when yeah you didn't know that working out was a thing right and um so i'm trying to work on it and trying to get in the habit what is your you know you obviously operate on a very high level it takes a lot of mental energy as well as just physical being up going to meetings flying around doing mm-hmm. you know living that life what are your daily routines or rituals that keep you sort of grounded or on point
0: yeah um well, i'll kind of bang through some maybe rapid fire yeah um yeah, I definitely believe in like working out and all that for me I have usually the, barely the strength to lift a pencil, much less my laptop in the morning so I'm not like a morning workout person. Yeah. but I've really come around to this idea that like you know and most of my stuff is admittedly kind of borrowed from the Tim Ferrises of the world or yeah. Tony Robbins guys that we're friendly or friends with but who I admire. So I've kind of cobbled together my stuff but I, I now truly believe that a lot of times in the morning how you how your day starts is kind of how it will go a little bit of that priming, so a true. little bit of that framing. A little bit of that manifesting, but I also believe you wake up, it's kind of like every day It literally is that, oh my God, it's a new day. Mm-hmm. So it's really important what you do for the first couple hours. Mm-hmm. And listen, ca- disclaimer, probably half the days I wake up still, it's just like, oh crap, I got to do this, flip open the laptop and just get after it. Yep. Um, and I'm lucky that I like don't lack that ambition to do it, but I'm trying to transition toward waking up and just trying to leave you know, in a perfect world, like that first hour of the day to not check any devices yep. and just get on with creative things. So I'll just, I actually, I can pull up my good old Blackberry here and literally read you my list, but I'll i will do some off the top of my yeah. head. Uh, I have an inversion thing that you hang upside down. Yeah. So I'll try and do that for like a minute or two while I leave someone a voicemail or do something like that. Yep. Just um, decompresses your spine. Great when you're traveling, just flipping upside down get the blood moving through your body. I do that. Um, I have one of those vibrating plates that's just kind of supposed to kind of, Loosen everything up. I use one that Dave Asprey has a bulletproof, um, the bulletproof plate. Yeah. Um, I try to do some meditation when I can. We're investors in Headspace, so I love Headspace. Yep. Tony Robbins has a great priming one that I've used, I've gotten from his seminars that I just have on an MP3. Yep. There's certainly some days where I'm rushed and I kind of have like a four minute one, but I think the point is just to take some, honestly, I'm always shocked how just shutting your eyes, being still and taking some deep breaths. Yeah. 20 deep breaths in and out goes a long way. Um, I like this, uh, I have a couple guys that are like, the trainers I use now tend to be less about like, help me hit a new bench press record and more about like movement and functional stuff. So yeah. I have a bunch of exercises I do to try to, I have really tight hips, cause I sit here all day and you probably see I'm like squirmy all the time. So it's like things to just loosen up my back or my hips because I think if you start the day, better posturally balanced, yeah. you can kind of keep that. Yep. So I try to do those exercises in the morning. Um, there's a guy named Wim Hof, the Iceman, who people should check out, who's actually opening a center uh, in L.A. that I'm talking about being a partner of. If people don't know him, it's it's amazing. His breathing exercise, and you should check out all his stuff. But I, I try to do parts of his, so I either take a really cold shower, or I don't heat my um, pool most of the time, especially in winter, so I keep it that way brisk, 50-something degrees. You just, right before you finish, Uh, everything to go out there, you just plunge in that thing. Trust me, that'll wake you up like you won't believe when it's like chilly outside like it is now in LA. Um, I have a breathing, uh, set of breathing exercises are kind of Tibetan breaths, Tai Chi-esque, a guy named Master Ko, Who's over in Chino Hills, where the famed Ball Brothers are from? But yep. I think Master Ko's the best thing to come out Chino <laughs> Hills. Um, you do these Tibetan breathing exercises where it just kind of gets the the, the the breaths moving with a little movement. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's had some incredible research. Um, what else do I got? Hold on, I'm gonna look at my Blackberry just to make sure I didn't leave anything important. No. Enough, and know? so
1: that's you try as much as you can to run through all of those.
0: Yeah, and and it's I, I view it a little bit like, a, you know, a, it, it, clearly, I don't get through all those every day, and although yeah. that sounds like a lot, that's all I, I can do it all in like forty five minutes no, if I'm kind of yeah. tight. Yeah, but I just try to. It's like an a la carte menu. Most days yeah. and the best days, I usually kind of pick half to two thirds and just try to make sure I'm um, I'm varying it. I I I have one of those little balls or just kind of these spiky balls that you just roll your arches out on. Yeah. just walking around and just from playing sports, my arches are really tight. I think it's good. It feels much better to. Uh, you know, to walk around do things like that. Yep. So yeah, well, I'm going through my list. It's pretty good. You know, I put on some it. of those like binaural beats sometimes when I do stuff that just sure. kind of, there's a um, an app that I've just started using that I like called Focus at Will uh-huh. that you're just supposed to put on in the background when you're working. And it supposedly syncs with your brainwaves and keeps you kind of copacetic. So you get into um, like a flow state yeah. faster. Yeah, Focus at Will. You have to pay for it, but I think it's worth it. I've been using that. Um, and then my last one or two here that I will say is... Um, I believe in making your bed. That's like a Tim Ferriss one. It just starts the day off with some discipline. And if it all goes to shit, I made my bed, (laughs) which I don't know if that's much solace, but maybe it is. But as Tim Ferriss says, the little things are the big things. The way you do anything is the way you do everything. And so just making your bed, I, I do it pretty OCD. And here's the last thing. And this one again is stolen from Tony Robbins is, um, Drink more. When I wake up, before I put any food in my mouth, I try to drink like an obscene amount of water, like a big old double mason jar or something, really? Like maybe sixteen to twenty-four ounces. Yeah. And uh, one, it's really good for you know just getting everything flowing in the morning, shall we say, and yeah. keeping you regular. Yeah. But you wake up so dehydrated, and yeah. most of the time people are tired. They think it's something else but it's really dehydration yeah and it, like i got this from going to a tony robbins seminar where he said just do me a favor for the next three days when you feel tired just take a guzzle of water because mm-hmm. no one here drinks enough 99 percent. i'm like well i'm the one percent of course <laughs> yeah. and then i just did it and i'm like it makes a huge difference so yeah. i've gone from drinking maybe like 60 70 ounces a day to like you know over half my body so maybe like 120 ounces a day Jesus. and it just makes a big difference in alert yeah. i do no caffeine i mean i do, do like no caffeine tea, at all i do no coffee yeah despite having been investors in blue bottle and bulletproof and things like that but have you yeah. always done no coffee pretty much That's... i got coffee cups for presents when i went to college i'm like but i don't drink like, <laughs> trust me you will and i'm like
1: just 15 water. 15 years later i'm like nope i don't Fill so, filling with water so, yeah what um
0: what do you use the blackberry for emails only yeah, just, just it's just easier to check emails. I'm just a creature of habit. I like my Outlook. Yeah, I, I like it. my BlackBerry. I'm big on educational, uh, educational, organizational systems. So it's guys like, um, sorry, I just forgot his name, who wrote the book Getting Things Done, which is kind of the old school um, book that everyone uses and file folders and this and that. And the world's changed because it's a much more digital world. Yeah. But all the principles hold true still. And it's basically the idea that or, there's so many different ways to organize yourself. All that matters is, one, it works for you, and two, you're accountable to it. Because an organization, if yeah. you use it 80% of the time, then it's, not really that effective you have to use it all the time so whatever works for you and so for me i like my my we use gmail product g suite of products google's products but only email you
1: do phone and text on your iphone
0: yeah i like i use whatsapp a lot so i like don't text people much anymore. i use email whatsapp yeah
1: i'm jealous of the blackberry i have one still sitting in my house i look at every day and i'm like man i want to use that but i can't figure out where (laughs) um okay we did it man i'm gonna let you get out of here the book came out yesterday congratulations i really feel like this is going to take you guys like just to the next level. I just feel like whenever you have a book, you know, like it's just so much cooler and like you, it just brings you to I think a different level and being able to say that you have it is is a really cool thing and we're trying to get you on that bestsellers list.
0: Yes. So yes. everyone go
1: order. Where's the best place? Amazon?
0: Uh shortcutyourstartup.com or Amazon. You know, it's available most places books are sold, but yes, you
1: can. And obviously like iTunes, iBooks, all that, all yeah, that stuff. Yeah,
0: uh the Audible and the, the ebooks great. Any out. um any You can hear my voice on the Audible book if you want to be have nails really? on the chalkboard. Oh God! I lost my voice doing it a couple of times. But yeah, I read every page of it. Did all the pickups. Holy cause shit! Because it's a thing, you know, to do your own. Yeah, that's Audible cool. book. Yeah, it was you. cool, but it is
1: <laughs> work. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- do you send anyone anywhere uh, social media you guys don't really promote your Instagrams do you or do you
0: uh, no we kind of just do our personal ones uh, just my name Courtney Reem. and yep. then um, you know we always like to hear from people doing interesting stuff with M13 which is uh, just M13.co not .com That C-O is trendy now and shortcut yeah. your startup
1: shortcut it thank you man this was great I think a lot of people are going to get value here but I really hope that one day somebody will be inspired by this book or by you or this podcast to start a company that they then bring to you guys and m13 takes it to the next level yeah that would be
0: the virtuous cycle be really cool to be like or have someone show up and be like just so you know i never reached out to you but my company's been hugely successful and started with your book
1: yeah that'd be cool that's the goal yeah done deal thank you man i really appreciate it thank you yes sir all right there we have it i hope you enjoyed it i hope that got you inspired i hope you learned a thing or two I can't encourage you enough, if that interview even seemed interesting or sparked some sort of interest in you, go grab their book, Shortcut Your Startup. And it gets way more in-depth on all these things. They explain it really, really well. They do a really good job. And I just can't stress enough how important these sort of books are. It's literally all the tips and from years of doing this stuff and from talking to people and knowing people that can really be priceless if you're trying to start your own thing or scale your own thing or sell your own thing. If you did like it, Don't forget to go uh, leave me some feedback on the iTunes store or the podcast app on your phone. Just say, hey, cool, and give me five stars. It really helps me move through the iTunes charts. Puts me in better standings so we can get more listeners. Keep this thing growing. Uh, Also, share it on social media. Hit me up on Instagram, at drama. Share this with your friends. Tell them to listen to it. I really appreciate it. Um, Go to youngandreckless.com. Use the promo code SSL for 40% off all full price items and last but not least go to youtube.com slash drama drama uh all the videos for my podcast my new show group chat video blogs, all sorts of stuff really working on that youtube this year that's it thank you guys i appreciate it i will be back next